The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. A quote from Plato. The only way we can know anything about God is through revelation. We cannot study him as one does a specimen with a microscope. He is beyond us. He is beyond this earth. Now, as he comes and he gives his revelation, others come also and act as though they too are giving a revelation. False prophets like Muhammad comes bringing his revelation of his God, Allah. But if we look at the fruit of the Islam culture, It's very clear. He was a false prophet. He was not bringing light. He was deconstructing light. He was bringing darkness. It's necessary for us to be willing to forego our own opinions, our own beliefs, our own traditions. I was raised in a very conservative, Protestant, denominational home. I had to leave behind the beliefs that I was taught that came from a prophet called Ellen White. She was claimed by the Seventh-day Adventist Church to give the revelation of God. But as I matured, studied theology in the college level, and then finally went to grad school, I began to look seriously at this prophetess and began to see that she had plagiarized material, that she had been utterly dishonest, and that the Seventh-day Adventist Church had been totally dishonest about who she was and how she functioned. When I saw that, I began to, frankly, question further the theology. And I began to search the scriptures. And what I found revealed in the scriptures regarding things like their belief in a 1844 investigative judgment, I found them to be lies. I found them not to be supported in the scriptures. When I studied carefully their belief regarding the Seventh-day Sabbath and the expectation that we should keep the Seventh-day Sabbath, I looked in the scriptures at how they were to keep the Seventh-day Sabbath and discovered that in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, they had made up a great number of things about Sabbath observance that had nothing to do with the biblical Sabbath. That forced me to study further and much deeper in the Scriptures until finally I discovered in the wonderful book of Hebrews 
that the Sabbath literally is Jesus Christ. And now I rest in him, and I keep the Sabbath seven days a week, resting from my own labor in Jesus Christ. It's very painful and very difficult to separate ourselves from the traditions and rituals of our world and of false prophets. It's very difficult emotionally. But I'm one who is determined to walk in the light and not in the darkness. And so my life has been a quest to find the true revelation of Jesus as given in the Scriptures. Now, one of you wrote to me yesterday and said, Pastor, why do you call Jesus God? Well, I do so because that's the revelation of Scripture. Today we're going to walk through some very specific revelations of Jesus that are light. They may step on your toes. If you've been listening very long to this broadcast, you know that I've been dealing with the subject of inner hostility toward God, anger, indifference. And I have said that this issue of turning away from God, of aligning ourselves with our own personal revelations, our own personal ideas, our own personal grudges, our judgments, our accusations, turning away from the Lord God of heaven. And I've been saying this is the central issue we must come to terms with, our anger toward God. Now, I'd like to walk with you first through who is Jesus and why do I call him God. And then we're going to go into the book of Revelation. And I'm going to show you the three specific areas that our Father and Jesus are most concerned about in preparing us to go into the kingdom of heaven. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. We named this broadcast after John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress written in 1678. I want you to make good speed on your journey toward heaven. There is not a moment to lose. The crisis of the ages is upon us now. The coming of Jesus is upon us. We are seeing the final acts of human history under the influence of demonic powers. We are seeing the lying and the cheating and the corruption of our country. It's time to get ready for Jesus. So first, who is Jesus? Well, there are three prominent scriptures. There are many others, but there are three prominent scriptures that tell us who Jesus is. Let's turn to the first one. It's in John, the first chapter. The first chapter, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. That's logos in the Greek. It means literally logic and reason. It is not emotion. It is not falsely held beliefs. It is a careful reasoning of reality. Literally, This word logos means the creative idea behind all that is created. The creative idea behind all of creation. It's obvious that atheism is a cheap lie. It's also obvious 
that intelligent design is the only conclusion that a modern scientist who is willing to walk in the light must come to. Evolution is very much a religion, even as atheism is, and it is all a lie. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was logic and reason, the creative idea behind all of creation. And this Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, every name by which we call God is a revelation of His salvation process for our lives. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. So the book of John is saying, as a direct revelation from heaven, that in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, where it says, in the beginning, God created, that God was logic and reason and the creative idea behind all creation, and that word was God. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, or and the darkness cannot overcome it. There was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. In other words, John is saying this word... This reason and logic was being born into this world. God himself was entering into the world. He was in the world, verse 10, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Jesus in John, the third chapter, says a man must be born from on high. He must be born again. So he's telling us this word was coming into the world. He was the light of the world. It says in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, God loved us so much. Came into the world. He was born into the world. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, pastor, do you believe in one God or two gods or three gods? No, I believe in one God who has the power to manifest himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know Jesus as the Son, but before he entered into the world, he was not called Jesus, and he was not called the Son. These are roles that God took on in order to provide an atonement for our sin. John testified, verse 15, concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, 
he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Jesus is pre-existent. He was before John, even though in earthly terms he is younger than John. John recognizes that Jesus has existed from all eternity, that he is God. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's right side, has been made known. In other words, God has himself entered into the earth as Jesus Christ. Now, another book that tells us about this is Colossians, the first chapter. I'll begin with verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Please, the revelation of Scripture says, there is no forgiveness of sin except through the person and the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You cannot run circles at Mecca around the Hajj and have your sins forgiven. The black stone harkens back to the worship of the Baal God. It does not take us back to the God of creation. Verse 16, For by him all things were created, that is, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers and authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, that is, in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. So very clearly in the book of John, the gospel, and Colossians, we are taught, that Jesus is God. God manifested himself, and why is he not allowed to do that? He is the all-powerful. He is the one God. And if he chooses to manifest himself among men, who of us is God to say he cannot do that? Now, in Hebrews, the first chapter, in verse 1, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. God has not spoken to us through Muhammad. He has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. Islam is a false religion. It is not a religion of peace. It is a religion of persecution and domination and sexual wickedness. It says, 
that God appointed the Son, heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, and he has provided purification for sins. Jesus provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. So he is as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For which of the angels did God say, You are my son, today I have become your father? See, don't be confused. Jesus is God. He left heaven's realm as a manifestation fully of God, to become fully man and God. And in that place, he made purification for sin by the atoning of his perfect offering of love and opened the way for us to escape the wrath of God against all wickedness. But to the Son, he says in verse 8, Your throne, O God, here is God calling Jesus God. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Verse 10, he also says, that is, God the Father. In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment that will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape? if we ignore such a great salvation. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, pardon me, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is who we're talking about. Jesus Christ, the Holy One, God. In every way, equal to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. Preexistent, having lived forever, He is the source of life. He is the Creator God. Everything that you see has been brought forth by his hand. And then he was willing to come and humble himself, according to the book of Philippians. The cascade of God's love in the second chapter, where he poured out his life for us, was resurrected on the third day and ascended into the heavens. And he is going to come back again. And he is going to judge the earth. All judgment has been placed in the hands of Jesus Christ. And you will face that judgment bar. All religions lead to the same place. Buddhism, Hinduism, Hinduism, Christianity, Muslim, Islam. All religions lead to the same place. Jewish all to the same place. 
and that is to the judgment bar of justice before Jesus Christ. And there we will be judged for our sin. And the only possible way of escape is if your sin has been covered by the precious blood of Jesus and washed away, and you have been made righteous by his powerful blood, you have left wickedness, been brought into righteousness by the power of the blood of Jesus. If you have not been, you will be cast into hell. Now, I'd like to go to the book of Revelation in the remaining time. I will try quickly to cover this. It is absolutely vital that you have a clear understanding of the message to the church at Laodicea. Jesus was raised from the dead. He met with his disciples and others for 40 days, and then observed by the disciples and others, ascended into the heavens, where he sent on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, after the resurrection, he sent his Holy Spirit in Pentecost to empower his people. This Jesus came and wrote letters to seven churches. All of these churches' messages apply to every church of every age, but many of us, many theologians, who have studied carefully the seven churches, understand that the last church of the age is the church of Laodicea, and that today we are in the church of Laodicea. So I believe this message is very specifically geared for now. It begins in Revelation, the third chapter, verse 14. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And Jesus is in Scripture in Colossians, where I just read for you, he is called the Amen. This is Jesus, the resurrected Christ. So lay aside what you've been taught by men and listen to the resurrected Christ. You're going to hear that he will not say, Have you received me as your Savior? And if you have, then I have covered your sin with my blood, and you will continue to walk in sin, but don't worry, you're saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It does not come from the Scriptures, and it does not come from the resurrected Christ who speaks very specifically to the last day church about the lies that the book of Jude warns us against. So I'm not much caring about your theological revelation if it does not accord with the word of the resurrected Christ. He is my judge, not John Calvin or Martin Luther or any of the modern preachers who preach this lie. Listen to what he says. I know your deeds. Does not say he knows our confession. It does not say I know what you believe. It says I know how you act. I know what you do. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are tepid, lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. In other words, you make me sick. He is saying to the modern church, you make me sick to my stomach. Now, if I make Jesus sick to his stomach, and he's warning me now about that, wouldn't it be wise to stop long enough to say, how am I making you sick, Jesus? Because he will be our judge. And he's going to judge us by our deeds, not by our professions. You say, 
I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Have you ever said to your mom or dad or brother, sister, friend, what do you want for Christmas? And they respond, I don't need anything. I have everything I need. That's what Jesus is saying. That the modern church in America has everything it needs. We've never in the history of the Christian church had such beautiful and large facilities. We have never had such budgets. We've never had pastors with such high degrees of education. We are floating in highly educated pastors. But most, with no revelation of Jesus, hirelings, negotiating for salaries, as I counsel you. So he's going to counsel us. But first, he's going to give us a very clear description of our spiritual condition. This is Dr. Jesus telling us, as a Christian church in America, what our prognosis is. And he's saying, if it doesn't change, I'm going to have to spit you out. I'm going to vomit you out. You make me sick. And I just say on a side note, the last thing my heart wants is to make Jesus Christ sick. What a tragedy that would cause me to weep and wail before him. And you know what? I have made Jesus sick. I'm going to share with you now very specifically what the diagnosis is. And then I'm going to share with you very quickly what the remedy is. And I ask you to pray through these scriptures and search them out. Our life depends upon it. Number one, there is an attitude that says, I know what the scriptures say. I know what my traditions are. I know what mom and dad believed. I'm comfortable with who I am and what I am. And Jesus has covered me, and I'm okay, and don't disturb me. And I enjoy my entertainment at church. I enjoy the fellowship. I enjoy the culture. I enjoy everything about it. I'll give my tithes and offerings, and then I'll go live my own life. Thank you very much. He says, you do not realize, or you are unconscious of your true condition that you are wretched. Now, that word wretched is very interesting. It's used only in this place and in Romans, the seventh chapter, the only place in all of Scripture it's used. It's a combination of words. It literally means you are being weighed. You are being tested. You are being pierced. You are being assayed. You know what a saying is? When you take metal, uh, you take raw ore, and you put it in the fire, and you separate the metal that is precious from the waste. That's where we get gold and silver. So we take the ore in, and it's tested to see how much gold there is in it. Jesus is saying, You are being assayed right now. You are being pierced through. You are being weighed with weights. It is being determined whether you're a lightweight. It's being determined how much gold there is in you. You don't know it, but you are already in the judgment time of your life. And some of you, Jesus is going to say to you, you are a lightweight. Depart, I have no use for you. Because you have determined that you will deny the light and remain in the darkness. I pray your heart is quickened and alarmed. The next descriptor is pitiful. Meaning, literally, I am taking... I'm taking a look at your pitiful condition. You are not who you think you are. 
Now, I'm going to share in just a moment three things he says we have to have in order to stop being pitiful. He says, you are poor. You think you are wealthy because you have all of this biblical knowledge. I spoke with a man this morning, and I said, you come into the church, but you never really enter in. You think you have the truth. He said, yes, I'm a rogue. I said, yes, you are a rogue. You are filled with pride and self. And I said, I wish you could come to church and humble your heart and just join with the rest of us who are seeking to follow Jesus, not to be right or wrong. He's the one who is right. I'm not right. Jesus is right. Because you're poor, helpless, have no roots in Jesus. You are being blown around by the devil. You're being blown into this temptation and that temptation. Your eyes are not on Jesus. Your eyes are on the world. And yet you call yourself a Christian. And he says, this makes you lukewarm. It tells me you're angry with me. And then he says, you're blind. Ever watched a blind man or woman walk? Tap, 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 tap with a cane, trying to find their way through the darkness. Because that's how you are. You're, you're trying to find the truth in, in Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism. You're trying to find the truth in your business. You're trying to get ahead in life. You're trying to find the truth in the Christian church with the teachings of Calvinism and other theological lies. You're trying to find the truth, but you can't because you're blind. Then he says, and you're naked. Now, that's a very specific descriptor that we will go into in depth in just a moment. But literally, he's saying, you are unclothed before me. I see that you walk in the arrogance of your own heart that you walk in the flesh, that you are still a pagan. You've just spray-painted Jesus and Christianity over your life, or you've spray-painted another theology or, or religion over your life, but you're naked. You have no true righteousness. True righteousness only comes from Jesus Christ. It does not come from the law. It does not come from Judaism or Hinduism, it only comes by Jesus. Now he says, I counsel you. Now he's saying, look, if you want to change your condition, listen to what I'm going to tell you. If you want to follow the way of Jesus Christ, he's going to say, as the risen Lord, this is how you do it. And he's not going to say, just say you'll accept me. Just say, I'm a sinner, Jesus, and I repent of my sin. And now I ask you to cover my sin, even though I know I'm going to sin. Sins in the past, present, and future are all forgiven. That's not what Jesus says. Now believe me. Am I going to listen to a man called Jesus, who speaks from heaven because he died offering his broken body as a sacrifice and atonement for my sin? Am I going to listen to this Jesus who now sits in glory in heaven and is the judge of all of the earth? Am I going to listen to him? I'm going to listen to a prophet called Muhammad who has died, who was utterly wicked, unrighteous, going to listen to the gods of this world? Am I going to listen to the false teachers of this world who bring out a gospel that's a false gospel? Or am I going to listen to Jesus himself? He says, I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich 
fulfilled in Scripture is usually looked at as faith. Look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the faith chapter. Everything is by faith. Our our fidelity to, our absolute conviction that life only comes through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if I'm going to buy gold, I'm going to have to look at my life and stop trusting in my own ability and in my own understanding. I'm going to have to read the scriptures, Revelation, yes, Genesis 2, Revelation, and I'm going to have to read it over and over and over. I've read it many, many times, far more than 50 times in my life. Reading, 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 studying, until faith fills my heart. Faith comes from hearing the honest preaching of the Word of God. That's what the Scriptures do. They lift up the Word of God, the Logos of God. They lift up Jesus Christ, Old and New Testament. Salvation has always been the same way, whether in the Old Testament or the New. Salvation has never been by law. It has always been looking forward to the Messiah. So now we're going to have to put our faith for our provision, for our husband, for our wife, for our children. We're going to have to put our faith. We are going to be tested to the nth degree. Will we trust Jesus or will we in anger and bitterness turn aside from him and say, I must have my own life? Will you trust him? Secondly, You must have white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. White clothing is referred to specifically. The book of Revelation, where it's revealed to us that white cloth, white clothing, symbolizes the righteous acts of the saints. He's saying, Buy these white clothes to wear. They are costly to buy. Costly because you must be born from above. Your worldly life must end, and you must begin to walk in righteousness. That's why I constantly am saying, Oh God, open the gates of righteousness to me. We must be made righteous. The word to justify, dikasune in the Greek, means literally to be made righteous. It does not mean simply to have my past sins forgiven. It means to be made righteous. Justification includes both the forgiveness of my past sins as I am born from above, as I am crucified with Christ, as I give up my life, and it is the power of God to circumcise my heart, to give me a new heart, to write his law on my heart. The law is still fully binding, but it cannot bring us life. The moral code is the revelation of God's character, total love to God, total love for our brothers and sisters. That's righteousness. It can only be brought by the blood of Jesus Christ into the heart and life of a man or woman. It requires absolute giving up of our way, our thoughts, our life, to be transformed by the divine, majestic power of God into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Third, have to put on your eyes so that you can see. We must buy the salve. How do we buy the salve? By asking for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to come into our heart and into our lives. For it is the Holy Spirit who teaches us about Jesus. If you want to know about Jesus, Ask the Holy Spirit to come and teach you about him. He is the one who pursues us 
He is the one who brings his power into our lives so that we can function in a redemptive way for the lives of other men and women. It is the subduing power of the Holy Spirit to the great love that Jesus Christ has for us that calls us out of the darkness and into the light. It will cost us. The cost is we must give up our ideas and ourself and receive Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit will come in with great peace and joy into our hearts. Then he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repentance means I go back and I look at how I have been in my own world, how I have been a rogue toward Jesus, how I have been a a self-contained person, how I have depended in my own power and caused myself to be naked before God. To repent means to turn aside and to do the things of God, to be utterly given to him, to be made righteous. You see, what do I repent of? I repent of breaking the law of God. And I cannot keep the law of God in my power, but the Holy Spirit will come into me. He will dwell in me, and he will bring the righteousness of Jesus fully into my heart. Yes, he rebukes and he disciplines. Are we willing to come out of the darkness and walk in the light? You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I invite you to come to the prayer chapel. If you want to find Jesus, you'll find him there this Sunday. We're located at the All Saints Anglican Church. We rent from them. All Saints Anglican Church, located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two, one nine two. You can find our address if you go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. This video will be there. You can listen to it again. I urge you to study and look at the scriptures I've shared with you out of the book of Revelation particularly. Now, I also invite you to write to me to participate in the broadcast National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you so much that he will allow you to continue to walk in the darkness if that is what you choose. He loves you so much he will let you go to hell if that is what you choose. But his call is to come out and walk with him to be made righteous. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. To keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.